0: And welcome to the Moms of Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. We are in spooky season and you know that's like my favorite. So yes, yeah. happy October.
1: <laughs> happy October to you all. I think I said October. Yeah, I did. I did a v in there. I am so against spooky season and I can't <laughs> deal with it that I refuse to even say its name.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it though. It's been we've had a few days here that actually have felt a little like the season might be shifting and changing. I'm not right. getting too excited. I think it's going to get really hot again, but it's been so nice in the mornings. It's feeling like fall, and it's perfect, and it's October, and I'm happy. I love this time of year. This is one of my favorite times of year from now until the end of the year. Me so too. So I'm very happy. Yes. Good. and And we're just a couple months away now from starting afresh anew. <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. Let's not. Let's not. Oh, actually, let's push the needle forward a little bit. I'm ready to get into the next year. That's fine. We'll do that. That's good. I like yeah. our thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm very excited about all of that. I'm going to have to take some time and sit down and watch some slasher films or something. I was I thinking you, <laughs> you were
1: going to say Christmassy and I was like that seems a little early, but I forgot that you would be
0: watching the slasher films. <laughs> yeah, well I've been looking for new scary movies and thrillers and stuff and cuz I'm very picky, like I it has to be really good and I sometimes waste my time and watch like movies that I regret, especially scary ones. If I'm going to watch a scary movie or like a horror movie, I really want it to be good because so many are so cheesy. So yeah, if anybody out there has any suggestions on great scary movies, I would love to hear them.
1: Can I tell you the last scary movie I watched? And I don't know that
0: you'll even consider it scary. Is it that one one that you told me? Which one is it? I think you told me to watch this one and I think I started it. Is it the one? I don't oh, that now. wasn't a
1: scary movie. I thought it was going to be scary. That was, I'm thinking of ending things and I assumed it was going to be scary, but it was just so <laughs> weird. It's on Netflix. It so if weird. you haven't seen it, it's the guy who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and those things. It is so freaking weird and I haven't recovered from it, but it's not scary. But I kept, I almost hoped it would be scary just so it would make sense. And it never yeah. made sense to me. No, the last scary movie I think I've watched is The Strangers.
0: Oh, that, that movie scary. messed me up, Mandy. That one is scary. I can't okay, believe you made you. it through that one. That is a scary one.
1: Well, I made it through by saying, turning my head and saying to my husband, please tell me when they get out of the house. Oh. <laughs> so
0: I don't know how much I
1: saw. I did hear one time one of them saying, Oh, why are you doing this? And I think they said because you were home or something. And I was like, Well, I never gonna <laughs> sleep again.
0: It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ones like that are really like the kind that you feel like could actually happen. Those really freak me out a lot more. So that's kind of um, what I like more than <gasps> just like a slasher movie where you're like, "Oh, this is really see, I'm the other <laughs> way." I want to <laughs> you know? see that cuz
1: I'm like, nobody's going to come at my house with a chainsaw. I, you know, there's not even an extension cord anywhere near here. All right, I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are back after a week off. Melissa, welcome back. Hey, welcome back, Cotter. We're here. Yeah. Did you have a nice week off, Melissa? I did.
1: I don't think I did anything, which means that it was a good week. I I had a lot of fun, whatever it was I didn't do.
0: Right. (laughs) How about you? Yeah, I did. I had a great week. I was actually thankful that we had the week off after I started getting into the research for the episode this week because I realized that there was just a lot going on, yeah. and it, it was going to take me a while. It's been a while since we've had a two-part episode, but here we are. We're doing a two-parter again, and you will see why once we get oh my into gosh. it. <laughs> there is just so much to take in, and. Honestly, as much as I love you all, I had to break this one into two parts because there's a lot and I just couldn't handle any more research on this case for this week. So I am so happy that we have part one ready to go. We're going to be talking about the famous, infamous, I don't know if you've ever even knew about this, Melissa, beforehand, but we're talking about the 1996 stalking case against the is she a pop star? Bjork? We'll say pop I guess you singer, call her yes. a pop, pop mm-hmm. singer. Yes. She's from Iceland. A lot of people have probably heard of her or have heard of her music. I think she she's not as popular now. Does she still make music now? I'm sure she does, but I only really know her from one
1: outfit she wore a long time ago. Yeah. Swan dress, right? Yeah. Swan dress. That's it. And like SNL did stuff with her. Yeah. That's all I really know her from. And her voice is really high pitched and I couldn't name a song from her. But no, I I don't know any
0: of her songs. Yeah, she is. I did listen to a few songs while I was researching this case, just so I could say that I had listened to some Bjork music. And so I did. But yeah, so that is what we're talking about. She was the victim of stalking. And it was a very scary situation that unfolded in kind of a unique way. And we have all this information now about this case. So that is what we're going to be talking about this week and next week. And because... Bjork is from Iceland. We have decided to do Google the city from, did you just do from Iceland in in general, Melissa, or did you do her specific area?
1: Oh, I hope you're kidding me because I only did it from Iceland. (laughs) I didn't even bother to attempt to give whatever city it was because I was like, I I don't know. It's all going (laughs) to, I won't know if this is it or if it's Iceland. So it's Iceland, Mandy.
0: Perfect. I am super excited. So without further ado, Melissa, Carry on with Google this city in Iceland. (laughs) We have Google this country. We have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, we are definitely silly this week.
1: There you go. So, Mandy, Iceland is located in the North Atlantic and has a population of around 360,000 residents, making it the least populated country in all of Europe. Iceland consistently ranks as the safest country in the world, but not only is it safe from crime, it's also safe from mosquitoes, as there are zero mosquitoes in Iceland. Not one? Not one. And I saw something that, like, they might have insects, but they don't really bother you. So They don't have insects?
0: Oh my gosh. No, no, no. (laughs) They
1: have some, but I think the ones they have don't really bug you. So maybe they just mean gnats and mosquitoes. You know I only looked at one source for this, so this could be a lie. (laughs) But can you imagine a world without mosquitoes? I am ready to go there. I know. <laughs> I want to go to there. <laughs> we don't really have them in the fall and winter, but tonight I was outside and got eaten up and I was like, nope, we got to just push through. We have got to get to fall. We have to break this mosquito <laughs> time. It's the worst. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mandy, the Icelandic language does not have the letter C in its alphabet. And I know you learned this in all kinds of letter things when you were studying this case the people of Iceland actually refer to their country as Eilandia, which I thought was interesting. Oh. Like we call it Iceland and they're like, don't even have that letter. We can't even call it that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, they call it Icelandia. So speaking of the alphabet and letters in Iceland, the naming of children in Iceland I found to be really fascinating actually. Residents of Iceland don't actually have surnames in the traditional sense. So the first name of a child is chosen by the parents, But your last name depends on your father's first name. So I have an example here because I was too dumb to follow this. But if you have a child and say you want to name your child Ben, Ben's last name would be the first name of your husband. Like, say his name is Sam with the word son at the end. So his name would be Ben son. And likewise, yeah, likewise for a daughter, your daughter's name is Samantha and her dad's name is Sam. Her name would be Samantha, Sam's daughter. It's like D-O-T-T-I-R. Kind of... Interesting, right? So your kids would have different last names, but the last names don't really matter in a way. It's really confusing and interesting. Yeah. And confusing. No, it's cool. <laughs> I I I mean it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I thought it was kind of interesting. And sometimes the child will take the mother's name and it's the same way. It's still her first name and then either son or daughter at the end. Beyond just your last name in Iceland, there are approved names that you can actually name your kids. So in 1991, a committee is brought together and basically you have this list of names you can give your kid first names. And if your kid's name isn't on the list, you actually have to go to this committee to have it approved first. So, for example, recently someone brought Lucifer forth to the committee and uh, since there's no C in the Icelandic alphabet... You're not going to believe it, but it was denied. But they also felt that maybe it wasn't a great idea to name your child after the (laughs) devil. (laughs) So that was a pretty quick denial on that. But I thought that was interesting, like only certain names you can even have. So I don't know. They've got the name thing down over there. Lastly, Mandy, the Icelandic language has over 100 names for the word wind. Wind is a big part of the climate in Iceland. So it makes sense there would be several names for it. So, of course, I had to think in Florida you know, heat is a big thing here. And we also are very special and we have several ways to speak about our climate. They have a hundred and we, maybe we have a hundred, but I was just going to give you five that I could think of. So <laughs> the first way we say hot in Florida is why is it still hot? Hot. That, that's one way we say it. We also <laughs> say number two would be I'm melting hot. And number three is Surrey. Can you die from wearing sweatshirts in Florida? Hot. The f- fourth is great. Now my iPhone won't even work outside from this heat hot. And lastly, oh my gosh, my head's caught in my sweatshirt. I'm going to die. Why do I continue to make such poor life choices hot? And that's all we have. <laughs> We're basically the same as Iceland, Mandy. That's what I'm trying to say here. Oh my gosh, let's get in the episode because that took a quite a quite quite a turn there.
0: All right. So stalking is a topic that we haven't really talked a lot about on our podcast, but any stalking victim would tell you that being stalked is one of the most terrifying and violating things that could ever happen to you. Stalkers use many tactics to terrorize their victims, but generally stalking is considered to be repeated threats and harassment of another person to the point that they fear for their safety. Stalking is shockingly common, with about 1 in 6 women and 1 in 17 men having experienced it at some point in their lives. Most often, stalking victims know their stalker or previously had a relationship with them, and it's less common to have a complete stranger as a stalker, but this does occasionally happen. As you might guess, celebrities are in a higher risk category of being stalked by a stranger, just due to the nature of their work and, of course, being in the public eye and having easy access to them. In June of 2014, Sandra Bullock was stalked, and her stalker actually broke into her home by jumping a fence and then forcing entry through a door. Sandra was home at the time, and she was able to lock herself inside of a closet and call the police, who took 16 minutes to arrive and arrest the man, who was named Joshua Corbett, And it was later learned that he had actually been lurking around Sandra's house for the 48 hours leading up to breaking in. Another famous celebrity stalking case involves David Letterman. He was stalked by a woman named Margaret Mary Ray, who stole his Porsche and drove it around New York City. And when she was stopped by the police, she said that she was David's wife and said that her son was David's child. Margaret was caught numerous other times over the years trespassing and other counts of stalking against David Letterman. I didn't know that he was stalked, did you? I
1: read this somewhere, but it might've been when we first were looking at this research and that's how I knew about it. I did not know about the next one that you're gonna talk about.
0: Yeah, so the next one is the stalking of Gwyneth Paltrow and she was stalked by the same person for 17 years and he ended up being sentenced to just Five years in a psychiatric facility after he was found not guilty by reason of insanity on charges of stalking. After he got out, he actually continued to send letters to Gwyneth and to her lawyers. And in 2015, he was charged with more stalking offenses. In this case, he said that he did not intend to scare Gwyneth Paltrow, and somehow the jury agreed with him and said that even though Gwyneth was understandably scared of this man, it wasn't his intention to scare her. So <gasps> they found him not guilty, which is just, I just cannot believe that. That's, like, so crazy. Like, whether it was his intention or not, that's what he was doing for right. 17 entire years. So I, that's just terrifying that they oh my gosh, sided yeah, sided with him and said that he was not guilty of a crime. Several months back on the podcast, we talked about the murder of upcoming singer Christina Grimmie, who was stalked before being killed by her stalker in 2016. And today, as I said in the beginning, we are going to be talking about the stalking of Bjork. Thankfully, her story has a happier outcome, but some may not know about the terrifying experience that she had in the 90s when a man named Ricardo Lopez became obsessed with her and began stalking her with the intent to harm her. Before we get into how the crime
1: took place, we want to talk about who Bjork is and how she became the obsession of one man. If you've ever heard of Bjork, and especially if you're a fan of her music, then you know that she is from Iceland. So she was born on November 21st, 1965. She was the child of a homeopathic doctor and martial arts teacher and an electrician. Her parents divorced when she was just a baby, and she spent the first 11 years of her childhood growing up on the Purple Commune with eight adults. There's not much information out there about this particular commune, but according to the book, Bjor, Wow, and Flutter, it's what can be described as a hippie commune. I have to be honest. This is a sincere question. Are there any communes that aren't hippie? (laughs) (laughs) Honest question. I have never heard of a commune and it's like (laughs) (laughs) everybody—nobody's wearing shoes in communes. And that's what I feel like. And I feel like I'm saying communes now. Weird. I don't know.
0: Anything else, anything that's not a hippie commune is just called a neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. So
1: Bjork's mother remarried and her stepfather was a guitarist. This may have helped pave the way for Bjork's love of music. While she was living on the commune, Bjork attended music school for five years. She focused on playing classical piano and the flute. She was also a very talented vocalist and she sang in recitals as a child. At one of the school's recitals, her teacher recorded her singing, and then sent that recording to a popular radio station in Iceland, where it was nationally broadcast. At the young age of 11, she was offered a recording contract, and she decided to begin a career in music. She quickly recorded a self-titled album, which consisted of famous Icelandic children's songs that were sung by her. She then went on to be a part of many other bands before she graduated from music school. And when we say many, we really mean many bands. She was in nearly a dozen different groups that were all short-lived for the most part. In the late 80s, Bjork performed the vocals for a band called the Sugar Cubes. They released four albums together and worked together for six years, gaining wide popularity and putting Bjork on the map. While she was working with this band, Bjork met and later married a fellow band member, and they had a son together in 1986. The marriage though was short-lived and by 1987 they were divorced but they continued to perform together in the band. I've never understood that dynamic. Like Fleetwood Mac has that um who else was I thinking of? The White Stripes where you're married to somebody and then you're divorced and you're like, "Well, let's let's just keep singing together. This is totally going to work out."
0: Yeah, I guess it's just a you know, you keep it strictly business. I don't know. Yeah, it, it does seem that like would be very awkward. Yes, i cut the mic hard. so
1: quickly or I, I would be tempted to sabotage quite a bit, but maybe that says more about me than that. <laughs> 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 so after six years with the Sugar Cubes, Bjork went on her own way. She moved to London to advance her musical career on her own. And in 1993, she released her first international solo album called Debut perfect name. So two years later, in 1995, Bjork had made a name for herself and was voted the best female artist at the Brit Awards, as well as best international newcomer.
0: Bjork's celebrity status came with plenty of media attention, which was sometimes unwanted. In 1996, she was scheduled to be in Thailand, and she personally asked the media to leave her and her son alone until she had this scheduled appearance, but they ignored her request and immediately bombarded her when she landed at the airport in Bangkok. A reporter named Julie Kaufman walked up to Bjork's son and just said, Welcome to Bangkok, which led to Bjork physically attacking the woman, knocking her to the ground and slamming her head into the concrete multiple times before security could pull her off. And she apologized to this reporter after the fact and the reporter agreed not to sue Bjork for the assault. But oh my gosh, that piece of information just blew me away because when you look at Bjork, like you would not think that she would ever turn violent on anybody. She's teeny tiny, or at least that's my picture of her in my head. She's just little swan princess, teeny tiny little thing. She just was not having it. She did not want um, anybody bothering her. So sometimes I feel like I totally sympathize with that. (laughs) So this unwanted attention didn't just come from the media though. Celebrities are of course easy targets for all kinds of attention from fans and other everyday people and it wasn't long into Bjork's international success that she became the target of this same kind of unwanted attention. For years she had no idea that one man, Ricardo Lopez, had been completely obsessing over her. He was just 18 years old the first time he ever saw Bjork performing and an instant infatuation began. He started collecting everything he could that was Bjork related and even started recording video diaries where he would profess his adoration and his just love for her. These recorded diaries are the reason that we know so much about this case because we get to see it all unfold in Ricardo's own words. So in general, people who are guilty of the crime of stalking aren't usually what you would consider typically functioning or stable members of society. If they were, they would not be engaging in this obsessive behavior where they are thinking of harming another person. So the videos that Ricardo recorded provide this detailed look into his thoughts and his frame of mind. And we're going to discuss the videos in detail. But first, we're going to talk about who Ricardo Lopez was before he became known as the Bjork stalker.
1: Ricardo was born on January 14, 1975 in Uruguay. When he was just an infant, his family immigrated to the U.S. and they lived in Georgia. In 1977, when Ricardo was about two years old, he was issued a social security number, which made him a naturalized citizen. He had two older brothers named George and Carlos that are actually much older than him, closer to 15 to 20 years older. He grew up as a Jehovah's Witness in a middle-class family. When Ricardo was around 15, though, he distanced himself from the congregation and the lifestyle. In his own words, Ricardo had a stable upbringing and really had nothing negative to say about his family or the way that he was raised. There's not a lot of details on what Ricardo's childhood was like, but he did suffer from a condition called gynecomastia, which is a genetic disease that causes male breast tissue to grow abnormally large. Understandably, this caused a lot of personal struggles for Ricardo as a child and contributed to his overall negative outlook and opinion of himself. Although he was very smart academically, he dropped out of high school to pursue a career making art. The way Ricardo spoke about his mom shows that he really had a close bond with her. She had Ricardo when she was about 40 years old, and he was somewhat of a surprise baby, so he said that she had a special soft spot for him. As for Ricardo's relationship with his father, he said that he was close to him as a child and that his father always did right by him and raised him right. But as he got older, that relationship kind of drifted off just a little. Ricardo says that he loves his father, but he did not have a, quote, strong emotional attachment to him. At some point, his parents moved back to their home country of Uruguay, but Ricardo and his brother George stayed in the United States. Ricardo ended up moving to Miami and got a job with a pest control company as an exterminator. It was in January of 1996 that Ricardo got a camera and began recording himself talking to it. What resulted was over 19 hours of insight into the mind of a very disturbed man. And we're going to get into the details of what was on these tapes right after taking a quick break to hear word from this week's sponsors. The older I get, the older I feel, and any time I manage to pull or strain a muscle, it's a great reminder of that. Sometimes I've done it by doing something I can be proud of, like exercising. Other times, it's simply from waking up in the morning. And when that happens, which happened a couple times last week, I reach for my Theragun, place it on my neck or wherever I'm having pain, and in two minutes, I'm feeling better than I did even before I went to bed the night before. Theragun is the perfect thing to have on hand, whether you're a gym rat or just the kind of person that hurts himself by doing everyday things like waking up in the morning or sitting too long while watching a 90-day fiancé marathon.
0: Theragun is the original professional-grade handheld percussive therapy device that provides you with deep muscle tissue treatment to release tension, helping to improve your mobility and help with the tension and stress you get from things like life. I love the accomplished feeling I get when I manage to successfully complete an entire workout, but I hate the next day's soreness that reminds me that my body is aging. Theragun helps me soothe those strained muscles and get back to chasing kids and animals much faster.
1: I love that when pain strikes, I have something right there at my house, feet away from me to grab for relief instead of waiting a neck cramp out from sleeping on it wrong or having my kids do that thing where they stand on my back and I hope it manages to work and not accidentally kill me. Theragun is there and always ready to jump in to give my muscles some relief after
0: a stressful day. Feel better naturally, treat your pain, and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash mm. For a limited time, our listeners to this podcast get up to $150 off your device. That's theragun.com slash mm. theragun.com slash mm. We are getting into the cooler months and it's so
1: important now more than ever to have a bra that's comfortable, stylish, and one that fits. Is there anything more annoying than trying to pull up a slipping bra strap under a sweater and a jacket? It's nearly impossible and that's why now is a great time to check out Third Love. Third Love has the perfect bra for winter, spring, summer, or fall thanks to their memory foam cups, no slip straps, and
0: their scratch-free band. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone and they want to help you find yours. Do what we've done and take the 3rd Love Fit Finder quiz to make sure you get the right size and style that is just right for you. The quiz is super easy and only takes about 60 seconds. Join the over 15 million women who have taken the quiz to date on a quest to find their perfect bra. And 3rd Love knows we all don't fit into the
1: same six bra sizes, which is why they have over 80 bra sizes. So if you're in between sizes, guess what? 3rd Love has a bra for that. Plus, Third Love stands behind their products. If you don't love it, you can exchange it or return it for free for sixty days. The only bras I own now are from Third Love, and that's because they design bras to fit you, and not the other way around.
0: Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners ten percent off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com/murder now to find your perfect-fitting bra and get ten percent off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com/murder for ten percent off today. Now back to the episode. Before we took the break, we were just starting to get into the contents of what was on all of this video diary footage that Ricardo Lopez recorded leading up to and really during his whole process of being obsessed with Bjork and really starting to venture into stalking territory. Although Ricardo seemed to be a pretty average guy with a normal upbringing, he had some very dark and troubling struggles when it came to his mental health. We mentioned that he had a chromosome abnormality that caused his breast tissue to grow much larger than normal and how that really affected his mental and emotional well-being. In his very first video, which he recorded on January 21st, 1996, Ricardo talks about his loving family, but says that he, quote, guesses he doesn't appreciate it. He says that his family has always been there for him, but he said, quote, I'm just not right. I'm perfectly sane. I know what's right and wrong, but I choose the past that I choose, end quote. Later on in that same video, he opens up about some of his emotional problems, and he berates himself for being just an emotional person in general, And he talks about having what he believes is a chemical imbalance that causes him to have these emotional problems. He describes himself as being very feminine and says that sometimes he gets so emotional that he's brought to tears while other times he really doesn't have any emotion at all. He says that he had this revelation years ago during biology class whenever he was in high school, and he learned that one out of every 456 males have an extra X chromosome, so they would be XXY, and he believed that that is what he had, and he thought that's what caused his breast tissue growth but he also blamed this imbalance on his hormonal and emotional issues. As far as I know, he was never diagnosed with that, but that is what he he learned about it in biology right. class. He put put this together with what, you know, his symptoms were and he thinks that that's what he had. So I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I don't know. This is what he thought. Throughout all of these video entries that Ricardo made, he seems agitated a lot of the time and he At the same time that he is acting this way, he's saying that he's not aggravated. He says he's he's just fine. So another thing that he said he was afflicted with is obsessive compulsive disorder, which manifested itself in some self-destructive ways, including self-harm. So he would refer to it as poking holes in his body. He said that this was a result of being obsessive compulsive as well. In another video, he explains what mental illnesses he thinks he has, and I will just use a quote here so we can kind of get a feel for kind of what he's thinking about himself. He said, quote, I do suffer from some type of neurosis, possibly anxiety. It's not a phobic neurosis. I don't have a specific fear of something. It is just a fear that has ruled my life. I avoid everything. And then he goes on to say that he feels frustrated all the time and that he feels like he gets too frustrated too easily and that he over exaggerates his own problems and the way he talks about himself it almost makes you feel bad for him because he really is like saying like he knows that some of his behaviors are not typical or they're not you know that's not how he wants to be but he can't help it that's just how he is yeah
1: so as far as relationships go ricardo really had no experience at all to speak of He considered himself to be unattractive and really gave up hope of ever finding a woman to settle down with. He used to think that one day he would find someone that was right for him, but he had a very specific set of requirements for what he considered to be the ideal woman. According to him, the most beautiful women were those with light skin, dark hair, green eyes, and quote unquote, beautiful faces. He says that a lot of women from his country looked like that, and that's what he likes. However, you learn really quickly while listening to Ricardo talk about this, that he is extremely racist and takes a very dim view of white women being with black men, and he makes no secret of this in the recorded videos. In fact, it was this exact belief system that later sent Ricardo on a rapid spiral, but more on that in just a bit. The things Ricardo says on these tapes are horrific and disgusting, but he essentially drives home the point that he would never accept or want to be with a woman who had been with a black man before. So Ricardo had an idea of purity, and he mentioned that he was a virgin and thought sex was a very big deal. To him, the idea of a woman who had already had sexual experiences before him was a turnoff. So instead of focusing his efforts on fostering real relationships, Ricardo drowned out his sorrows by immersing himself into the world of celebrities. When he was 18 years old, he saw a video of Bjork and became fixated on her. She became an inspiration to him and he created art that was based on and dedicated to her, but then his feelings towards Bjork turned to be more obsessive. He developed feelings of love for Bjork and he described the feeling as being euphoric and something that made him ultimately happy until it didn't.
0: Ricardo's infatuation with Bjork, as we said, began in 1993. He stopped by a friend's house one day after work and saw a music video playing. And at first he thought that this was a Sinead O'Connor song that he was hearing. But then he saw that it was somebody else that he had didn't recognize. And he saw the name Bjork on the screen. And of course, that's very different and unique. So it stuck out in his mind and he remembered it. But it wasn't until later that he saw the video again that he really started to like Bjork and started listening to her music. Then he saw Bjork on a daytime talk show, and he became very attracted to the way she looked. He thought she was beautiful and exotic looking, and he loved her voice and her music. After that, he couldn't stop thinking about her. And he started, as I said, just really listening to her songs like on repeat. He had his favorites, but he would just listen to her music all day long, look at pictures of her, read articles about her, you know, everything. Right. He, would, he was in her fan club. I mean, he was like the ultimate fan, but to the extreme. In one of the video diaries that he recorded, he talks about how when he found out that Bjork was 28 years old at this time, he was kind of upset about it because he was young. You know, he was only 18 when he first saw her and he I guess, had this idea that she was young as well. And he was actually upset to learn that she was 28 years old at the time. But even though he was kind of upset about it, his infatuation with her still continued to grow. The way that he describes his attraction to Bjork in the video from January 30th is really quite disturbing in my opinion. He talks at length about how he believed that he was so attracted to Bjork because of her childlike qualities and that he was attracted to this idea of what he called a, quote, helpless little girl that needed protection. He said, quote, it's safe to say that my attraction to her was very, very physical attraction. And he starts talking a lot about her face and how she doesn't have this average face and her eyes are large. And once again, he mentions that this is a childlike quality. And then he said that her button nose drove him nuts. He just really kept going on and on about this idea that he believed was backed up by science that men are attracted to childlike women who need their protection and help. So of course, I was very disturbed listening to this because nobody wants to sit here and listen to A grown man saying that they like this woman because she has childlike features and stuff. So it, it just it just rubs you the wrong way. So what's odd about this is that while he's saying he's in love with Bjork and he loves the way that she looks and he's so attracted to her, he also says that he likes to think of her as a little girl and more like a daughter instead of somebody that he wants to be in a relationship with. But then in the next breath, he says that he has a crush on her. So it's really confusing trying to figure out what his actual feelings towards her are. On one hand, it sounds like he's madly in love with her and wants to be with her. And then on the other hand, it's like he just wants to pick her up and carry her around in his pocket or something. The way he talks, you know, the way he talks about her. So in the early stages of his infatuation, instead of keeping a video diary, he actually wrote in composition notebooks. And he started this journaling in late August of 1993 and filled the pages of four separate notebooks with all of his different thoughts. In 1994, Ricardo decided that he was going to mail Bjork a package, and he spent hours making sure that it was just perfect. He wanted to create something that would speak straight to her heart and just be deeply moving for her when she received it. But he explained in another video that he felt like he absolutely had to send this package to Bjork because it was going to help with his own anxiety. So he put together a bunch of his artwork, most of it with, you know, was inspired by Bjork herself, and he sent it off to her. Well, he never got a response or even an acknowledgement from her for this gesture, which he says he didn't expect anyway. But he said that Nonetheless, mailing this package cured his anxiety. So in August of that same year, Ricardo says that he actually nearly gave up on Bjork because he read an article that talked about how she had a struggle with alcohol addiction. And he believed that indulging in alcohol consumption was a symptom of Satanism. So in a lot of these videos, he kind of will start talking about one thing and then he just goes off on a tangent about something else for like 15 minutes, you know? So he just starts talking about Satanism kind of out of nowhere. It kind of feels a little misplaced whenever he's talking about all this, but I guess he's explaining why he was so upset with Bjork. So he believes that if you struggle with addiction or anything really, that's not good for you, or, you know, that you just give in to and you do something, I don't know that other people might be like, Hey, that's not cool. I guess he thinks it's because you have been taken over by Satan and that's why you're doing that. So he Almost gave up on Bjork because he said he was concerned that she basically was, you know, a sa- a satanic worshiper right. or, or something. That's kind of where he was going with it. But he he's all over the place. If you listen to any of any minutes of this guy talking, which I do recommend, probably don't listen to it as much as I did because you will. Go as crazy as I have this week. But if you can listen to this guy talk, even just for a few minutes, it's it really is something. It's I think it's worth listening to. So if you're out there and you want to listen to this guy, check the show notes and look at some of his videos because it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. So the breaking point for
1: Ricardo didn't come for another year and a half in early 1996. This is when he began creating his video diaries, which, as we come to find out, were created for a very specific and sinister purpose. In total, from January of 1996 until September, Ricardo recorded 19 hours of video, which provide a very detailed and in-depth look into his thoughts at the time. The first hour of video footage was recorded on January 14th, 15th, and 16th, and he begins by introducing himself and talking about how he just purchased this camera and a tripod and explains how he is going to document his plans. Right away, it's very obvious that Ricardo is what some might call a quirky person, and in the first 60 seconds of the video, he's seen sticking his tongue out and making weird and kind of scary faces towards the camera as he's setting up his new equipment. Once he's confident that everything is set up and running correctly, he goes into his introduction and explains that it's his 21st birthday on the day that he starts his video journal. Something he begins in the very first video and continues throughout all 19 hours of tape is that he directly addresses the camera as if it's another person. He says you a lot as though he's speaking directly to someone, but no one's there except for himself and the camera. He quickly launches into an explanation about what led him to begin recording himself, and that reason was Bjork. Ricardo talks openly about he started off with a little crush on Bjork, but admits that it turned into an obsession that has waxed and waned over the years and that sometimes reading certain articles or seeing Bjork triggers an obsessive spell. As part of the introduction video, Ricardo takes a camera around his apartment and talks about what a slob he is. He actually uses the word pig to refer to himself. And from the videos, you can see that the place is absolutely trashed, and there's stuff stacked everywhere, and you can barely see
0: the floor, and it's not just, you know, stuff, it's actual trash. So he goes on to say that he saw an article about Bjork, and he had sent some money to various resources to find out more information about her, including her personal information, like her address, And we can assume that this is how he knew where to send this, the packages to her, the artwork that he sent to her. He obviously paid and got access to her address, which I feel like maybe in the 90s you could do that. But I don't think you could. I mean, maybe you can. I've just never looked into it.
1: like to pay for a celebrity's address. Yeah. So Uh I just listened to a whole series on pretend and it's all about making yourself disappear. I don't know if you heard it, but there's this guy that. I can't remember his name. He has a podcast too, but he helps people disappear. And it's all about like not having stuff in your name. It's really, really interesting. But I don't think in the 90s they were doing this. So I think it could be very easy to get the address. And from what I understood in Iceland, like we were talking about it being so, there's no crime really. If she's living there, they said it's not unusual for her to be at a restaurant or the mayor to be riding a bike. It's just not that unusual. So if somebody could, if he contacted somebody, it's not it doesn't seem that out of place, especially in the 90s, that somebody would be like, sure, here's the address. You want to send her a gift? Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of it's it's great the way things have changed in that sense that it, people right. are making it harder and harder. But if you haven't listened to if you're looking for a good series, that one um, on pretend, I think it's called How to Disappear. It's really, really good.
0: Yeah. So things quickly take a turn when Ricardo finally gets to the point of this video and he finally states his reason for making the video diary. He says that he learned through a magazine article that Bjork was dating the musician Goldie and in Ricardo's eyes that was completely unacceptable because Goldie is black. Ricardo instantly uses language that makes it known that he's extremely racist, as we said, and extremely angry over learning about this relationship between Bjork and Goldie. He looks right into the camera and plainly states that the only thing he can do at this point is to kill Bjork. His intention with the video diaries was to document this whole process and to document his plan, and he said that he hoped that one day Bjork would be able to watch the videos after he was gone. So you might be wondering how exactly she was supposed to watch the videos if she wasn't alive, so we're going to explain. Ricardo described his plan to send a business-like, lightweight package to Bjork, and it was going to be about a quarter inch thick and very professional looking. When she opened this package, it was going to be a booby trap, and Ricardo described that he was going to create this elaborate device where Bjork would have to push a button to make the top part of this box open, and when she did this, at first nothing would happen, which... Ricardo said it was part of the design to build trust so that she would, I guess, continue opening the package. First mm. of all, if I get a package that is like anything like what this is, I mean, I'm getting rid of it immediately. If oh, I yeah, order I will anything, never make it like, to
1: the first button. I'm done. With yeah,
0: it. exactly. If I don't know what it is, I don't know who sent it. Like, I'm not going to continue opening this. But he thought that this was a foolproof plan. And he thought that when nothing happened on the first step, then she would continue opening it because there would be nothing to be worried about. So that was kind of part of his plan. So in the next layer of the box, he planned to install a homemade contraption, which he called the Master Blaster. What that is, is two hypodermic needles that would be arranged in such a way that when Bjork used her thumbs to push this box open, she would be pricked in the finger by these needles and Ricardo says that they would be infected with HIV. So he... His plan pretty much was to somehow obtain needles with HIV on them, which he says he was planning to do by asking a sex worker to simply provide their blood to him. This guy had some ideas, I will tell you that. Not great ones, but these were, this was his plan, you know, and he really thought that this was going to work. He had diagrams and everything for this. He thought that this was going to be the way he was going to do it. So his end game here is to infect Bjork with HIV. So he talks a lot about how he's going to make this package look legitimate and like it came from a real company to ensure that she would actually open it. And he talked about these great links that he was going to go to, to make sure that Bjork was actually home at the time the package was delivered. He admits in the video that his plan sounds crazy, but he says it's not. Ricardo knew that if he pulled off this plan and managed to actually send
1: a booby trap message to Bjork, he knew that he would eventually be caught. He was under no illusion that he would get away with this, and he acknowledged that the authorities would not only look for him, but they would find him easily. He felt that the only thing he would be able to do after sending the package was to take his own life. For that reason, Ricardo was willing to take his time planning and executing that plan, a plan that was shaping up to be pretty elaborate. He was going to include a cassette tape in the package that had a recorded explanation of what just happened after she poked her thumbs, and that tape was going to be designed to self-destruct after it was played all the way through one time. The reason for this was because he didn't want Bjork to have the recording to give authorities to help in prosecuting him and to give himself more time before being caught. But he did plan to say false information on the tape about himself and about his location to throw off the police for a while because he didn't want to take his own life until he had confirmation that Bjork had been infected with HIV. So he says his plan is to kill her or scare her, but most of all, it was to make her know that he exists. He mentions a few times that he wants to be the quote-unquote most influential person in her life. He wants Bjork to be interested in him and want to know more about him, so that will hopefully lead her to watching all of his tapes. Something to note is that although Ricardo does come across as being very unstable, he was not a stupid man. He thought his plan through all angles and anticipated some scenarios that could occur, such as that the FBI would narrow down the suspects and figure him out, and they'd even want to check his blockbuster history, but he didn't have a blockbuster card, so they would just assume he was using a friend's card and they would check the friend's records. He really had a plan for everything, and we're going to get into what happens next after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. (laughs) I once heard that the key to a happy and healthy life is a great pair of socks. And by heard, I mean, I made that up just now, but really it's absolutely true. And Bombas are the great pair of socks you need for your life. I've mentioned many, many times that I hate feet, my feet, your feet, everyone's feet. I hate them all. So with this animosity towards feet comes the need to cover them up. And the best way to do that is with Bombas. I wear my Bombas literally every day, including to sleep in, because they are so comfortable. It's like wearing a nice little hug for my feet. Bombas
0: has really thought of everything when it comes to making the perfect socks. There's none of the annoying toe seams that seem to travel around in your shoe, plus the heels in Bombas are made with a little extra cushion plus arch support. Bombas are not only ridiculously comfortable, they have all different styles and designs and are high quality socks, so they will last much longer than all the other socks in your drawer.
1: We've had our Bombas for over a year, and mine are still in amazing condition, even though I make them work for me around the clock. I've bought several more pairs of Bombas because not only are they the best socks I've ever owned, but I can feel great about my purchase. For every pair of Bombas you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Bombas has now donated over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network
0: of 3,000 plus giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com moms and murder. That's B O M B A slash moms and murder for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com moms and murder.
1: It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash. I was really devastated. Here's this tiny thing, totally dependent on me. And now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable. And I'm supposed to have the answers, Well, with time and treatment, it went away. But what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand-new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants,
0: all designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. pull up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. So as part of researching this case, I, as I mentioned, had to watch a lot of footage of these videos. I did not watch all 20 hours, but I watched a lot. And one of the things I noticed is that Ricardo talks a lot about the same different things in several different recordings. So sometimes while I was watching these videos, I would get so confused because I'd be like, I swear I've heard this and I would think I was watching the wrong video and then I would go back. And so it was just really confusing, but he repeats himself a lot and there are specific topics that he talks about, obviously more than others. So he says in multiple tapes that he is in love with Bjork, but at the same time that he's doing this, he's also in the process of showing the camera his diagrams and his charts and his things and his prototypes and the things that he's working on building so that he can bring physical harm to Bjork. And while he's doing all that, he's got her music playing in the background. You can see photos of her in the background. It really, really is bizarre because he's saying, I love her so much. She's the greatest thing that I've ever you know, seen in my right. life. Also, this is what I'm doing right now because I want to kill her. It's very strange. So Ricardo says that his plan was never to kill Bjork until he found out that she was dating a black man. Another thing that he repeats multiple times is that his racism is not a result of his upbringing and that his parents had absolutely nothing to do with the way that he feels now, you know, in current time. He says that his mother would not be able to handle it if he took his own life. So he didn't think that he could even go through with his plan until after she died. It seems to me like Ricardo really had this deep internal struggle with his thoughts and feelings for really himself, his family, and especially for Bjork. He recognized that from an outsider's perspective, it seemed a little odd that he had this much of an obsession with her, even though they did not know each other. She didn't even know he existed. But he, of course, goes on to say that he it doesn't matter. He is in love with her. But he truly felt that way. He felt that Bjork was the only thing, quote, grounding him. And he fantasized about, as he put it, just being able to hold her. Strange as it sounds, Ricardo insisted that he was not sexually attracted to Bjork at all. But he said all he wanted to do was just care for her and protect her. And he said that he didn't even see her as human. He had her on such a high pedestal that he was almost drawing comparisons to Bjork as being like a god of some kind. And he talks a lot about how everybody has this thing that they worship. Some people worship money. Some people worship, you know, whatever. He went on to say that in his case, he guesses he is just worshiping Bjork. He has her up that high on a pedestal that he just, he thinks she's otherworldly. You know, that's truly how he feels about her. So Ricardo never wanted to be in a relationship with Bjork. He said he just wanted to make her happy and bring her pleasure, but he never thought about her sexually or even in, a, in the context of having a romantic involvement with her. But he did often talk about going back in time. He had really crazy ideas about time travel too. I fast forwarded through most of it, but he was very interested in this idea of time travel and thought that if it was possible, he would have loved to go back in time to when Bjork was only 11 years old, just getting her start, and he would want to meet her at that time and be, change the course of her life and become the most influential person in her life. And I I just found that a little strange because, as I mentioned, Bjork is like 10 years older than Ricardo. So right. when she was 11 years old, you know, getting her start in music, he was like an infant, like he was just a baby. So as these videos
1: progress, you start to really get a feel for Ricardo's personality and his instability. In one of his early videos, he comes on straight away and his eyes are closed because he has a cold and he couldn't stop scratching them. He talks for several minutes and continues to talk while sneezing and with his eyes closed. There are times when he is rambling on about Bjork and he just stops mid-thought and then switches to a completely different topic or backstory or tells the camera about himself and his perception of himself. While he does put himself down quite a bit, he also seems egotistical at times, particularly whenever he talks about his feelings towards black people. He was always extremely upset when talking about this topic. Seeing Bjork in photos with black people was enough to set him off, and not just black men. He was also upset that Bjork associated with Oprah. He was so distraught over this that he said he wished he could go back in time and save Bjork from liking black men, but since that isn't an option, he wanted to get his revenge and bitterness out on her. Yikes. Yeah, this is just so much. And it just, like you were saying, it just goes in one direction and then it quickly switches to another direction. And it's just, it really is all over the place. And he even realizes this and he feels like he's disillusioned by Bjork and that her relationship was really the last straw for him. In his opinion, when you quote unquote get even with someone, there is what he called a quote unquote sadistic pleasure that you get. He justifies this plan he has by saying that basically it's just human nature to want to do this. He believes that the only two reasons people do anything are to either make themselves feel good or to avoid feeling bad. He knows that he's being selfish because he doesn't care about anyone else's feelings or how it will affect them because he's going to be dead anyway. He said, quote, I'm willing to give my life up short. It's not like I'm suicidal. I'm not. I had future plans. End quote just really saying that he's willing to give up on his own life to teach Bjork a lesson.
0: Ricardo's mental state continues to unravel during the early months of 1996. He started having problems at work with the pest control company, and he even worried that he might get fired, and he talked about this on video a little bit as well. During this time, Ricardo insists that he is not depressed, and that's not why he's doing any of this. He says that he has struggled with depression in the past, but at the time that he was planning all of this, he was not depressed. He's really, really sure of himself in these videos, and he's very sure of his plan to kill Bjork eventually, and he believes that it's his right to sin if he wants to. So although Ricardo knew that he didn't have to go through with any of this, he wanted to do it anyway because he said that it was a joy to him, just thinking about this plan, gave him what he said was a dopamine rush. And he said that he was the only one in control of the situation. He insisted multiple times that he was in full control. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was very sure that this was the route he wanted to Mm -hmm. go down. He acknowledges and addresses like, Hey, I know this is not okay, but I'm want to do it. So I'm going to, it was kind of, it's just really moments of clarity. And then it, Still, like
1: pushing through it, like he knows these things he's doing is wrong. He knows these feelings are wrong, but he's still going to go through with them.
0: Yeah, it's really scary. It sends it sends like a chill down my spine, kind of, you know. So, one of the more disturbing ideas I think that Ricardo had was that bringing harm or death to a complete stranger was somehow justified by his religious beliefs. And whenever he spoke about his religious beliefs, of course, as we mentioned, he grew up a Jehovah's Witness, but it's like he took some of these things that he learned and then also twisted them to kind of fit his own his own ideas or, you know, to justify his own actions. And so he talked a lot about how he was given free will. So basically he said he's allowed to do this to Bjork because, and it will be fine and he'll be forgiven because since he was given free will, that means he pretty much has this free pass to just do whatever he wants and harm other people, which of course is definitely not the outlook that most people take. (laughs) Right. That's, you know, just because you can do something, like you still have a sense of right and wrong. Like, you know, that you just don't do certain things or you just wouldn't, you know, it's strange to hear him talking about how to hear a person justifying doing this or, you know, trying to do something like this. It's just very interesting to hear how somebody arrives at the conclusion that this is a good idea. Yeah. So Ricardo, marches on with his planning process. So part of this process was putting photos of Bjork up all over his walls so that he could really desensitize himself to her. And part of why he loved Bjork so much, love, using that term loosely, as we said, was because he was very much into her face and the way she looked. So he hung hundreds of pictures around so that he would get sick of looking at her and that her face would lose that magical feeling that he got whenever he saw her. His first mission was to infect her with joy with his artwork, he says. and that's why he sent her that package in you know 1994, the first one that she didn't respond to. But now his mission has changed, and now he wants to affect her life in a different way. He wanted to make sure there were no mistakes with his plan, so he had diagrams and drawn-up plans for this booby trap, and he started creating a real prototype. He actually used a Papa John's pizza box to create the template for this design, which I just found amusing, but he said that this was no big deal because the craftsmanship of the design really didn't matter. It didn't have to be super well put together. Basically, it just has to work and serve its purpose. So while putting together his prototype he was really happy with how it was turning out and he thought that it was actually going better than ever. But he did have a few hiccups along the way with the sizing of the overall package and he wanted to make it as small as possible while still being able to fit these two hidden syringes inside. For several days, Ricardo was very focused and interested in working on his prototype. But in early February, he started to lose interest a little bit and he stopped working on it so much. It was around the same time, early February, that he also stopped recording video diaries and he didn't start recording them again for a whole nother month. You didn't see him come back until exactly a month to the day later. He did his one on February 2nd and you didn't see him again until March 2nd.
1: So when he starts rolling again in early March, he opens up by talking about how much has changed in the last month. His mom had called and said she was really worried about him and wanted him to move closer to her. Ricardo was nervous because he said his parents didn't know everything about him and didn't know about all of his problems, but his parents were offering to pay for everything he needed if he would just come to live there. They were evidently concerned after talking to people who knew Ricardo and felt that he might be having a tough time and needed to be close by his family. So this triggered something in Ricardo and suddenly he felt like maybe he should be putting his time and energy into someone that he cared about and that cared about him like his mom, instead of focusing on Bjork. He had just seen her on TV and said that he had a realization and had come to accept many things about her, and he even says that he lost his fury about her relationship status. He also recently read an article about Bjork that didn't cause him any distress, which was somewhat of a breakthrough for him. So he, quote-unquote, temporarily postponed his plan to hurt her. He agreed to go to Uruguay to visit his mom in a few weeks' time, and he was really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, the relief of hearing that Ricardo was rethinking his plan to infect Bjork with HIV was short-lived. He continued rambling on and then finally he clarified the point. His plan to hurt Bjork was merely just on hold, but he was still ultimately planning to do it. Over the course of the month that he did not record any videos, he had decided that infecting Bjork with HIV was not the way to go, so he announced that he now had a new plan He was going to put together an animated piece of artwork where it was a portrait of Bjork that made her look lifelike because the image would have slight movement. But once again, this would be a booby trap. To pull this off, Ricardo would have a very long road ahead of him. He said that creating this type of art would be hard and require mirrors and lenses and would take a lot of time. The end goal was to create a package that would explode, spraying Bjork with acid, which he hoped would maim or kill her. As you can imagine, such a device would require a ton of thought and planning and building. And sorry, guys, but that's where we're going to pick up with this when we continue this bizarre and fascinating story in part two next week. And you can now see why we have two parts because, oh my God, there's so much information.
0: <laughs> it is a lot of information, but it's really fascinating information. Yes. And I can't wait for part two. I mean, I I, I can wait, but I can't wait at the same time. <laughs>
1: You have to wait. This is we're just doing one of these tonight.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's just a lot of information like this has already been over an hour and we have not even gotten really into a lot of it. So I'm very excited about finishing this up in part two and hopefully you will be returning to your part. two. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Yeah. Don't leave yourself hanging like that. Melissa, are we going to move on to the last thing before we go? I'm really excited to do this week.
1: Me too. Yes,
0: we are moving on.
1: We're we're going for it.
0: All right. So because we are in Iceland and it is always fun when we can kind of do things, talk about things from other countries or areas and kind of learn some new things that yeah. we might not know or not, might not be aware that other people do or say. Um, and mean, this went really well when we did it for Ireland. So I am excited to do this for Iceland. We decided to have some Icelandic phrases and we're going to see if we can figure out what we think they mean. So this is like, what do you call, what do you call it? A figure oh, of speech? Is that what you call sayings. it? Sayings. That's
1: what I just a thought of as say. There's, there's a more like grab a thesaurus and there's a better way to say this, but we're going to say their famous Icelandic sayings. We think again, I just told my husband to Google this and send us out several (laughs)
0: for us to do. So we'll see what happens. Right. So we're not going to say them in the Icelandic language. Oh, gosh, no. uh, (laughs) We're just not. So we're going to say them as what they are translated into English phrases. And then we'll see if we can guess when you would use this or what it means. Okay. Sound good? Sounds
1: good. All right. Do you want to go first? Sure. So you're saying is the raisin at the end of the hot dog. What do you think that means? Or
0: when would you use that? It seems like something you would say when you're talking about, I feel like I would equate it to light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's pretty good. Uh, it's
1: to describe a pleasant surprise or a highlight of something. Seeing the Northern Lights oh, yeah. in Iceland was the raisin at the end of the hot dog. That's very... Like, so it's like the icing on the cake, right? Icing, but raisin on a hot dog. Although my son would be thrilled, <laughs> that would be a combination he could really get
0: behind. So I get I know. it. It's a it, it's a little random, yeah. Okay, I like that one. All right. So when would you use the phrase "totally out driving"? Okay, that's easy. You would use this
1: whenever you are leaving a meeting and it's gone really well, and you got a job. You got a job. And you're totally out driving.
0: <laughs> um, no, <laughs> it's when somebody is acting crazy or completely off about something. You say that this person is totally out driving. So, yeah, my answer is uh,
1: totally out driving.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, or if I were to ask you, Melissa, is this a good idea, or am I totally out driving? I like would this just one. Be like. Yeah, me too. I would use that. That's really it's good. like, are you out of your? It's like basically, are you out of your mind? I guess.
1: Perfect. That's such a nice way to say it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mandy. The next one is on with the butter.
0: Oh, I mean, I just like that phrase. I on know. with the butter. I just can't. It just be literal. Can that be it. it, it?
1: <laughs> I know. I know. So this is a phrase you use whenever you really need to get something done. So stop slacking. Get on with the butter. So get on with it. Really.
0: Oh, yeah. I like that one. I I like all the food things. These are making me really happy. Yeah, Right? Okay. So my next one is, it all comes with the cold water. Okay. That one's definitely about, (laughs) um, it
1: all comes with the cold water. Oh, my gosh. I, it all comes with the cold water. It just is something that has to happen. It's just, it comes with a job. It comes with a job.
0: I feel like mine are Um, all job related. Yeah. Kind of actually. I mean not exactly according to this well, watch it not be you... at all. You don't have yeah. to give me any pity points. It's okay. There's no pity points here. This one is meaning if you are patient, things will fall into place. So it all comes with the cold water. So or I guess in English you would say maybe like everything will come out in the wash.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever used that phrase. I know people that do, but I've never felt confident in it.
0: <laughs> so no. No. I feel in like it's... the wash,
1: it'll all come out.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like they say it all comes with the cold water. Okay, I all right. I'm I'm sticking with
1: on the butter. All right, here we go on with yeah. the butter. Okay, this one is I come completely from the mountains.
0: I come completely from the mountains. Mm-hmm.
1: This one kind know. of makes sense if you kind of think that think about that one a little bit. I mean, I don't know. All right, this one means it's somebody's out of the loop. So what are you guys talking about? I come completely from the mountains.
0: Oh and yeah. Yeah. So that one kind of makes know. sense. Right? Yeah. yeah. I like I that like one. That. I have one more that's very funny and I love it. And I can't wait to hear what you think about when you would use this. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Something they say in Iceland is thank you for last time. Thank you for last time
1: when Um, would you say that when would i say thank you for well um (laughs) let's see i would say thank you for last time when my children picked up for like after themselves and i was being passive aggressive the next time like the next time when they didn't i would say oh well thank you for last time and try to guilt
0: them into doing something i know that's not correct but go ahead Tell tell me i'm wrong no, I mean, this one is actually pretty literal. It literally just means thank you for the great time we had last time we got together. But they actually say it that way, like as in for an example sentence, they would say, thank you for last time. I had a great time. So instead of just being like, it was nice hanging out with you, they would just be like, thank you for last time. That's
1: like, like, I will tell you, not the time before, just last right? time. <laughs> Don't know how the next time is going to go. I'm only giving you credit for this time. All right. I like that one. And the last one I have is blind is a bookless man.
0: Hmm. I mean, it seems like obvious that you would be talking about reading is like great for your I feel like you should. I feel like it's about books like this is very it's pretty literal. Is it literal? Yeah, because I feel like that's what it's saying. Like you should read and be literate or. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. reading is a huge
1: part of the culture in Iceland, and that's where the saying comes from, blind is a bookless man. Paul can be so ignorant sometimes, blind is a bookless man. So yeah, well, they're,
0: like that one's a little cruel, I feel like. But, it yeah. is. Like, in, it's, a, it's kind of insulting, I feel like. Yeah. It, it could be, in a way.
1: It's no raisin at the end of the hot dog, but they can all be. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Perfect. All right, Melissa, I think we have done enough damage here this week and um, we'll be back for more damage next week. Part two, yeah. All right, guys, have a great week. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.